Well, let's pray together. Lord God, we recognize today your goodness in our lives. Um, you're a God of love, a God who, have, who has made himself known to us, um, a God who has saved us in Christ. And by the work of your Spirit, you've opened our eyes to see and to believe. And we recognize, our God, that for such people, we are blessed by you. And we just thank you uh, that you're in our lives and that we are yours and that you are ours. So God, we pray that we can really meet you in this time as um, I speak. Give me the words, Lord, that are from you. And Lord, for the people who are listening, give them ears to hear and hearts that are receptive to what you have to say. So bless this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to begin a new series today. And uh, the title is God... Where are you? And I'm going to take time to unpack that and explain it to you. But it's about those times when we really need God to show up in our lives and do something that we desperately need him to do. But when we cry out, when we ask him to work, he doesn't come. And our cry is, God, where are you? I need you. It's about those times when when we're struggling and we're hurting and, and we're experiencing pain. And if you would, God is missing in action. Um, another way to put it maybe is when you need God, he's silent. Have you ever had those times in life? I would suggest to you if you haven't yet, you probably will. And they're difficult, challenging times. Because you know God loves you. That's at the heart of faith, isn't it? And you know that God can act and that God is powerful. But you just can't figure out why he doesn't do so when you need him to. Saving us from our circumstance. Helping us in our need. And for a lot of people, this is a great challenge to faith. For some people, it becomes a crisis of faith. For some people, it actually causes them to lose their faith. And I want to speak into this today. Because we need to understand when those times come what is going on and how we are to process them, how we, how we are to deal with them as followers of Christ. I want to look at a, a passage where this is exactly what happens, what I'm describing to you. Jesus is desperately needed, and he chooses not to act. Um, Jesus is, 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 is available, and he can make a difference in the lives of his people, but he does nothing. Well, this comes to us from uh, John 11. It's the story of Jesus and his three friends. Uh, as the text says, and I want you to note it when I read it, he really loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They're his close friends. They support him. They care for him. They believe in him. What happens is that Lazarus, the brother of these uh, three, or uh, 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 these two sisters, three siblings, he becomes ser seriously ill, and he actually dies from this illness. It's, it's a significant moment. Um, and, and when the sisters realize how dire the circumstance is, they ask Jesus to come. See, they believe in him. They know that he can heal. He, they have seen him heal. There's no question about their faith. And they want him to come and heal their brother. But this is what happens. Let me read the story to you. So John 11, verses 1 to 7. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, this passage, when we read it, doesn't make sense to us. Why would Jesus not go and heal the man? The circumstance, when it happened, wouldn't have made any sense to Mary and Martha, and maybe Lazarus too if he was conscious and aware and waiting for Jesus to come. It just wouldn't have made sense to them. Think of the situation. As we look at it, someone Jesus loves is lying there dying, and he let him die. He let him go through the process, that being Lazarus, of being filled with pain and suffering which is part of, of passing away. It was an experience that Lazarus would have had which would have been filled with fear. He would have experienced grief. Yes, people who are dying grieve too. It's not just those who are losing a loved one. You know, Lazarus, as, as, as the circumstance would dictate, would recognize he's, he's saying goodbye to family and friends. It's a painful time. And think about Mary and Martha um, watching their brother die. Uh, the, the idea that, that they had to go through the process of recognizing what was going on, this is a brutal thing. It is a heart-wrenching experience of watching someone you love pass away. Some, sometimes I think one of the worst things that we can go through. Well, this is, this is the thing that they would have encountered, and it would have been painful. And of course, it would have ended in their grief as they saw their brother die, and they would just feel that depth of loss and heartache. My friends, all of this Jesus allowed to happen when he could have stopped it. Jesus could have gone to that place. He could have healed Lazarus and prevented all of this suffering. And all of this he allowed, remember, for people whom he loved. I want to tell you, we struggle to understand that. We really do. I want to ask you today, have you ever lived through a situation like that? Have you ever been in one of those moments where you really need God to show up, but he doesn't? You invite him in to do what you know he can do, but nothing happens. I want to suggest to you that there's a reason why we struggle not only with the story, but in that moment when God doesn't act. And that reason is this. We hold on to an assumption, maybe even an expectation, that if Jesus can help us when we desperately need him to, that he will. We just hold that as a belief. We assume it. Because he loves us, we believe. He'll keep us from suffering. He'll do what we ask him to do because he cares so much. And when that doesn't happen, it's hard. Sometimes, not only is it hard to understand, we come to that, that place where we, we are in that, that quandary and we struggle in faith. And there's some folks who 
move beyond that and basically say, well, either God doesn't exist because he didn't help me, God who loves would help, or uh, that God doesn't love me after all. Not an uncommon experience. Something that we need to grapple with. So, for example, we stand by that hospital bed and we ask God to act. We know God can heal people. We may even have seen God do it previously. But we watch, and God doesn't show up. God doesn't come to the plate, if you would. And our loved one declines and dies. And we find ourselves experiencing grief. And we don't know why. You know, where our kids get caught up in sin and, and, and evil's destructive power. And we pray and we pray and we pray. But God is silent. He doesn't show up. I know of someone who has been defrauded of a large amount of money. Happened about a year ago. And these people have prayed for God to help them. Prayed for God to intervene. Prayed for God to do something. But God hasn't acted. And often we're left just simply asking the question, God, where are you? (laughs) Why won't you act for me? Well, you know what this passage teaches us is that our assumption is wrong. Our assumption that if God loves us and if he is able, that he will act when we ask him to when we're struggling. And there's a reason given in the text. Um, What's most important to God in this story, as communicated by Jesus, what is most important to God is God's glory. Let me read to you again verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And it was that which caused Jesus to stay where he was. It was that which caused Jesus to not intervene until after Lazarus had died. It was that which allowed Jesus to allow his friends, people he loved, to suffer and struggle and hurt and grieve. Because the priority in his mind was the glory of God. Now, that sometimes is a hard thing for people to hear. But Jesus wanted to make impact in people's lives. And as the text says later, and we'll discover it as we go over this uh, next couple of weeks beyond today, he wanted people to believe in him. And and, and in essence, the text is saying to glorify God and to believe is one and the same. This is in the heart of Jesus. This is what he wanted. And as a result, um, he stayed where he was for two more days and Lazarus died and then he went and upon his arrival, if you know the story and we'll read more of it later, he does raise Lazarus from the dead. He performs this incredible miracle. And the result? (laughs) I'll tell you, my friends, God was remarkably glorified. Uh, people, including his friends, would have seen the reality of the awesome power of God exercised through his life. People would have recognized who Jesus was and glorified him. Think about Lazarus. You know, think about what the rest of that man's life would have been like. Um, I would imagine, we don't hear much about Lazarus after this, but I would imagine he would have lived his life filled with gratitude toward Jesus and awed with what God had done for him. 
Think about these two sisters, Mary and Martha. <laughs> I want to tell you, they would have given far more glory to God after this brother was raised from the dead than if Jesus had just come and healed him. Some glory would have gone to Christ in the healing. But to see Jesus overcome the power of evil and sin and death, to see Jesus bring their brother back to life, oh my goodness, how they would have glorified him. You know, I really love verse 2, and I'm going to read it to you again. It's easy when you read this text to just blow by verse 2 without giving it much thought, but it says this, and it's in uh, brackets. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And this, is, this actually happened in chap- chapter 12, very soon after this incidence. incident. Well, we, we very well might look at that uh, in a future uh, Sunday morning. Let me read it to you. Chapter uh, 12, verse 3, at the heart of the story, then Mary, same Mary, took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, my friends, I want to tell you, uh, in essence, what is going on in that moment is that Mary is worshiping Jesus. I hope we can get to that text. I'd love to preach it. But she is worshiping him. She, she is giving him incredible glory. She's recognizing him as the glorious king. Why? Listen to me. Because first of all of what Jesus didn't do, and then because of what Jesus did do. Mary ended up worshiping the Lord. My friends, I want to tell you that if these things happen in your life, so will you. You will be amazed with what God does. You will stand back in awe of what the Lord has done ultimately and in the end. Now, one other group that glorified God in this instance is uh, the, the, the are, are those who were there, other people who observed this happen. Back to John 11, verse 45. Here's what the text says. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. And then again in chapter 12, after that incident where Mary was at a banquet and Lazarus was there and she anointed Jesus' feet, it said many people, many people came over having seen Lazarus alive, having seen Jesus, came over from their previous positions and they believed in Christ. See, my friends, Their eternities were changed because of what Jesus did in the raising of Lazarus. And I want to tell you, when God is glorified, we are blessed. we got to hold on to that reality. People see God act in remarkable ways, and then they come to believe in him, and they give their lives to Christ out of an act of glorifying God. Hmm. See, it's so important for us to understand the incredible importance of people coming to faith in the mind of God. The incredible importance of people moving to that place where they see and understand the reality of the Lord and put their faith in Him. God cares so deeply about that. And I want to tell you, there's one other crucial point to be made, and again goes back to verse 4. Let me read it to you again. 
When he heard the, this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. My friends, I want to tell you there's something incredibly significant there. Because what happened following Jesus' activity <laughs> was a recognition, as we read the story, that prior to the raising of Lazarus, prior to him even dying, Jesus knew what the outcome would be. He had in mind what would happen. And if you would, as the sovereign son of God, he created that outcome. He allowed it to happen. He made it happen. Because he knew what would happen in the end. And I want to tell you, God always does. He knows what the end will be. He sees the end result when we obviously can't. And he makes this powerful statement, it will not end in death. You see, for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are in relationship with God through faith in Jesus, there is no death ultimately. Let me read verse 25, that famous verse that comes to us from Jesus' lips that, that is so often recited of, of John 11. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in me, listen, will never die. Do you believe this? You hear the power of those words? For God's people, the outcome never ends in death. Hmm. You see, with the Lord, there's always a greater good that God is creating. Even in his, his inactivity, there is a greater good that God is moving his people toward. And he knows it. And he's forming it. And he's making it happen. You know, a famous uh, Presbyterian pastor in New York City, Timothy Keller, has said this, uh, and I'm going to quote him. Just because you can't see or imagine a good reason why God would allow something bad to happen doesn't mean there can't be one. <laughs> Can I say that again? It's, it's, it's so, so on. Just because you can't see or even imagine a good reason why God would allow something bad to happen doesn't mean there can't be one. You see, just because we don't understand doesn't mean that there aren't good reasons. For God remaining silent, for God being missing in action, for God not showing up and helping us. My friends, there is hurt in life and there is struggle and suffering and pain and yes, there is death. But in the end, for the follower of Jesus, there is always life. What does this mean for us? Now let me just give you some pointers, can I, from the text? Number one, don't assume when this happens to you that God doesn't love you. Don't allow your mind to jump to that place. It's easy and it's natural and it's understandable because you think God's doing nothing for me and, and he could and he has the capacity. And if he just loved me, he would. No. Remember, regardless, God is a God of love. And whatever is going on in your life, and I may be speaking to people right now who are struggling and hurting, Whatever is going on in your life, remember and hold on to the belief that God loves you. And don't assume that because he loves he, you, he will act because we've asked him to. There are times God says no. 
And there are times God says, not now. But there are also times when God is prepared to act and when he does. So I say to you, except by faith that these times of God being silent, God being missing in action, us crying out to God, God, where are you? Except that they'll happen. But rest in his sovereign care and love for you. His eye is upon you. He hasn't abandoned you. He is leading you somewhere. There is purpose in it all. And he will take you to that place. Number two, be confident of the fact that at the right time, God will act. You see, what happens is that we have our timeline and we have our preference in terms of when God might do what we want God to do and so forth. But God's timing is not our timing. Very rarely is it, in fact. Our timing is faulty. God's timing is perfect in terms of glorifying himself and in terms of blessing his people. So be confident and know that God will act at the right time in the best way for all involved. And then number three, Know when he does act, that he will act for his glory. With the result that it will bring faith to his people, ourselves, and others. Know in a convinced fashion that what God cares about, what is most important to to him, is our relationship with him, our seeing him as he is, and others seeing him as he is, our faith being deepened and and grown, our coming to that place where we see his activity and we see his power, and our eyes are widened as Mary and Martha's eyes must have widened when they saw Lazarus walk out of that tomb. You see, my friends, we need to see the glory of God. We need to experience this power and this work of God at the right time in the right way. And so do others. See, that's in the heart of God for you. And it's for us to wait until he acts, until he reveals himself. Now, I want to bring conclusion today to this sermon. And I want to recognize that hearing this sermon might not be easy for some folks. maybe for many folks, but particularly for people who may be in the midst of struggle and heartache and suffering and pain. And you want God to act. (laughs) You're ready for him to, to do something to alleviate the suffering and to help you. And sometimes, yes, it's hard to hear this kind of thing. Well, number one, we gotta recognize following Jesus, it's never something that we're told would be easy. So yes, we do suffer and we hurt and we grieve at times and we get confused and we don't understand. Sometimes following Jesus is just hard. And it's not for the faint of heart, but uh, my friends, I want to tell you it is for those whose deepest desire is to get caught up in the life of God on this world in which God will work through us to accomplish His purposes and can you see how we're when we're willing to accept that 
It's just a means of us worshiping God. It's, a, it's the means of us bringing glory to God. It's our heart sharing God's heart that the whole world would see him and understand him as he is, know his power and know his love and ultimately give him glory. This is part of what Paul wrote when he said that we are to die to ourselves so that we might live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. You see, Jesus was willing to suffer and experience pain and heartache and cry out to his Father, where are you, God? But have those moments, have that time as he as he suffered and died on the cross when God didn't show up and God was silent. See, my friends, in the end of the day when Jesus was in that circumstance, he knew what was coming. And he knew that in the end, (laughs) we never die. And he, he had this conviction in his heart that it would just be a matter of days until God raised him to new life, proving to the world the power of God, showing to the world the glory of God in the most powerful and remarkable way that's ever been known. Can we embrace this? Can we learn to be like Jesus, who cried out to his Father, but persisted in faith, until God acted at the right time and in the right way for his glory and ultimately for Jesus' good and for our good. I want to finish by reading Romans chapter 8. It's, it's an, um, a remarkable chapter. If you haven't studied that, I'd encourage it. But it talks about how we suffer and struggle, but what is yet to come for those who know and love and believe in Jesus So let me read that to you. Romans 8, 18 to 21. Listen to this. Let this be God's word to you. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. (laughs) See, God knows the outcome, my friends. He knows where he's taking us. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we suffer. Yes, we hurt. And we wish it wasn't so. And we cry out to God. And there are times God doesn't act. But let's hold on to the faith. Let's hold on to the truth this passage brings us. Let's believe that in the end we never die. Let's believe in the end that God knows what's coming. And he knows that it's incredibly good. Can you trust him? Even in those hardest of times, can you trust him? I hope you can. Let's pray. Gracious God, what we've been talking about today is hard. Mary and Martha and probably Lazarus went through a hard time waiting for Jesus who didn't come. 
But Lord, in the end, they encountered the glory of God. And their lives would have been forever changed. In the end, others encountered the glory of God. Their eyes were open to see and their eternities were changed because they came to believe in Jesus. Lord, help us to share with you that the thing of the greatest importance is your glory and the reality of others coming to faith in Christ. Lord, I want to pray right now for people who may be struggling, for people listening to this and their hearts are broken and they may be experiencing fear and, 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 and grief. God, I pray that you would breathe faith into their being, that they would trust you, that they would know that you are with them, that they would know that you love them deeply, and that they would know, Lord God, that in Christ, the end of the story is good because it's in your hands. So, Lord, bless those people. Lead them through this. As I've said, Lord, let them to rest in your sovereign care and love until the day comes when you choose to act for your glory and for our good. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.